Hey everybody, this is Zaya from Meets Meet End Time Study, a podcast that focuses on apologetics, Bible studies, and current events from biblical worldview. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. In the previous episode, I started this study on Genesis 6 and how I believe that the sons of God in Genesis 6 are in fact fallen angels. So if you're starting this study off with this episode, I recommend that you go to the previous episode first just to get a background on what I'll be talking about here. In this episode, I plan to look at early church history and touch on several church fathers and prominent figures in early church history to see where these, where this idea of fallen angels came from because I didn't make it up. It's not something that just started, you know, coming out of the woodwork 20, 30, 100 years ago. It's actually, surprisingly, has been in early church history for over a thousand years now. So I'll just be going over a couple figures in early church history that did believe that the sons of God in Genesis 6 are in fact fallen angels. The first person I'm going to take a look at is St. Justin Martyr, who was a Greek Christian philosopher and apologist of the 2nd century. In his book called Second Apology, he writes about the transgression of the angels and the negative impact it had on humankind, saying, But the angels transgressed this appointment and were captivated by love of women and begot children who are those that are called demons. And besides, they afterwards subdued the human race themselves, partly by magical writings and partly by fears and the punishments they occasioned and partly by teaching them to offer sacrifices, and incense, and libations, of which things they stood in need after they were enslaved, by lustful passions. And among men they sowed murders, wars, adulteries, interpret deeds, and all wickedness. So that's kind of a lot to take in, but in summary what he's saying is that, yes, these angels that the Bible is talking about fell, and they fell because they were kept by the love of women, and they begot children who... At that time, they called demons. So this was an early church history, second century church history here, that were having Saint Martyr talk about these angels who were kept by love women and begot children from women. So again, this isn't my idea. We've already looked at the Bible. We've already looked at both Old and New Testament to see how the Bible clearly illustrates this fact for us. But we're also taking a look into history. The second individual I'll take a look at is Saint Irenaeus, who is a Christian theologian of the second century. In his book, A Discourse and a Demonstration of Apostolic Preaching, he wrote, And for a very long while wickedness extended and spread, and reached and laid hold upon the whole race of mankind, until a very small seed of righteousness remained among them, and illicit unions took place upon the earth. Since angels were united with the daughters of the race of mankind, and they bore to them sons who for their exceeding greatness were called giants. The third individual who also believed that the sons of God in Genesis 6 were fallen angels is St. Ambrose, who was an important theological figure from the 4th century. So we've looked at two figures from the 2nd century AD, and now we're looking to the 4th century. So you can see, even spanning 100 years in time, this idea that the fallen angels were in the Bible, mated with human women and produced giants, was alive and well. Something that I guess later on throughout history we kind of lost and is now re-emerging. So St. Ambrose in his book on Noah, he said, The giants, Nephilim, were on the earth in those days, quoting Noah. He said, The author of the divine scripture does not mean that those giants must be considered, according to the tradition of poets, as sons of the earth, but asserts that those whom he defines with such a name because of the extraordinary size of their body were generated by angels and women. What I really like about St. Ambrose's quote is that he makes it clear that the giants or the Nephilim are not to be confused with what he called traditional poets called the sons of the earth or maybe those quote-unquote poets thought the giants were just big men, just regular humans. But he's making it clear that these beings came from the union between angels and women. So what St. Ambrose is talking about here is something that I touched upon in the last episode as well. 
Yes, I made it clear that I believe that Genesis 6 talks about fallen angels, but I also made sure to include the idea of the Sethite view, because I know that there are people who reject the fallen angel view and believe that the sons of God are literally just human men or human beings that may be aligned with God, that worship God, that followed after God, but they somehow reproduced with other humans who didn't follow God, who didn't love God, who didn't worship God, and somehow in that union we got giants. So I believe that's what St. Ambrose is saying here, that the name giants, the name Nephilim is not to be confused by the tradition of poets who maybe at that time thought that the Nephilim were just ordinary men, but he's saying that indeed these giants came from the union between angels and women. The fourth individual I'll take a look at was St. Clement, who was a bishop in Rome in the first century. He was a notable figure to the point where St. Arrhenius also lists him as a contemporary of the apostles and a witness of the apostles' preaching, which is pretty uh, important, especially at the time. So in his book, Clementine Homilis, he says, But when, having assumed these forms, they convicted as covetous those who stole them and changed themselves into the nature of men in order that, living holily and showing the possibility of so living, they might subject the ungrateful to punishment. Yet, having become in all respects men, they also partook of human lust and being brought under its subjection, they fell into cohabitation with women. And being involved with them, and sucked into violent and altogether emptied of their first power, were unable to turn back to the first purity of their proper nature. Their members turned away from their fiery substance, for the fire itself, being extinguished by the weight of lust, and changed to flesh, they trod the impious path downward. For they themselves, being fettered with the bonds of flesh, are constrained and strongly bound, wherefore they have no more been able to send into the heavens. The fifth individual I'll be taking a look at is Lucius Lactantius, who was a Christian apologist in the early 4th century. In his book, Divine Precepts, he also touches on what he believes to have occurred in Genesis 6, writing, When, therefore, the number of men had begun to increase, God in his forethought, lest the devil, to whom from the beginning he had given power over the earth, should by his subtlety either corrupt or destroy men, as he had done at first, sent angels for the protection and improvement of the human race. And inasmuch as he had given these a free will, he enjoined them above all things not to defile themselves with contamination from the earth and thus lose the dignity of their heavenly nature. He plainly prohibited them from doing that which he knew that they would do, that they might entertain no hope of pardon. Therefore, while they abode among men, that most deceitful ruler of the earth, by his very association, gradually enticed them to vices and polluted them by intercourse with women. The sixth individual I'll take a look at is Tertullian, who was an African Christian theologian in the second century. In his book called Apology, he talks about the belief of demons of the time and first touches on learned philosophers like Socrates and Plato and what they believed in terms of demonic entities. And then he goes into what Christians believed. And in this part of his book, that's when he talks about fallen angels. He writes, We are instructed, moreover, by our sacred books how from certain angels who fell of their own free will, there sprang a more wicked demon brood, condemned of God along with the authors of their race, and that chief we have referred to. It will for the present be enough, however, that some account is given of their work. Their great business is the ruin of mankind. So, from the very first spiritual weakness sought our destruction, they inflict accordingly upon our bodies diseases and other grievous calamities, while by violent assaults they hurry the souls into sudden and extraordinary excesses. The seventh and last person we'll take a look at is Flavius Josephus, a first century Jewish priest, scholar, and historian who is often described as an invaluable historical source. So in his work, Antiquitous of the Jews, he writes, For many angels of God accompanied with women, and begat sons that proved unjust, and despisers of all that was good, 
on account of the confidence they had in their own strength the tradition is that these men did what resembled the acts of those whom the grecians called giants so we can see when we look back in history early first second even fourth century a.d we can see seven different individuals that i picked from i'm sure there's many more individuals who also had these uh viewpoints of fallen angels in genesis 6 we can see when we look back in history that this isn't a new idea that when people did indeed read genesis that they looked at the old testament bible they did see that fallen angels reproduced with human women Although I do enjoy looking at history and seeing how historical sources in the historical context can help us paint a better picture of what we're reading in the Bible, the Bible should be our first and last source of truth, and when we want something confirmed, we have to go to God's Word first. And if it contradicts, then if it contradicts Scripture, then we know that we have to take it out that it's not true. However, when we do take a look back to the past and we're seeing the same theme of fallen angels reproducing with human women, whether it's a Jewish historian, whether it's a bishop from Rome or a bishop from France or a theologian or apologist from the 2nd century or 4th century, if we're seeing the same idea being repeated over a span of time, we can see that there's truth in it because they're getting it from the Bible. And again, the first episode we did look at Old Testament, New Testament, saw how the authors of various books did indeed believe and were writing according to what we can say is fallen angels uh, reproducing with human women. All in all, I hope you enjoyed this study. I hope it gave you something to think about and a place to start your own personal research from. If you want more info, you can always go to my blog in the links attached to the podcast below. I wrote a second article with all these historical sources with the links as well of the notable figures I referenced, as well as their works for you to take a look at what they said for yourself. And if you want to keep up with any of my future blog posts or current events or anything like that, you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. So until next time, God bless.